All right, the race season is hotting up and we're back with your Maxxis Tyres post-race show from Leergang. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I'm using the DHR2 Max Terra Double Down on the rear, paired up with the Asagai Max Grip up front in their slightly lighter XO Plus compound. The downhill bike has got a DHR2 front and rear, both in their DH casing with a super grippy max grip compound. Both setups are working awesome for me, but check out the range and see what's best for you. Having the support from Maxxis is a massive part of enabling me to be at some of the races this season to bring you the best coverage I possibly can. So it's a big thank you to them for that. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. All right, the riders did not disappoint and provided some wild racing on this insanely fast Leergang track. So it's time to sit down with Nico Malali and Ollie Morris to dig into the details of what went on. So without further ado, here's our Max's Tyres post-race show for Leergang. Okay, we're back for the second post-race show of the year. We're hoping the technology is going to be a little bit more on our side this year and we can get it done in less than two and a half hours. Um, the racing was uh, absolutely incredible. There's plenty of stuff to talk about, some some really uh, amazing performances on the hill. Before we do that, Nico, some big news from you this week. You are officially walking again. Yeah, I'm stoked. I was, uh, I was in for my 12-week checkup on Thursday and I was told back in the beginning, if the x-ray looked good at 12 weeks, I'd be cleared to start walking and weight bearing and uh, really start to do the training I need to to get back. I did as much as I could um, swimming in a pool or doing some leg extensions that are not weight bearing, but there's only so much you can do. So now that I'm, I'm cleared, I've been on a bike ride every day, um, lightly, but uh, working my way back and seeing rapid improvements so um i'm just stoked to be to be working towards it i've been really sore every morning from all the 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 stuff i've been doing but um that's a good feeling um i'm stoked yeah i'm stoked on your behalf mate that's awesome and you also um signed a new rider to uh frameworks racing in the last week or so uh asa who actually i bumped into on the side of the track this weekend doing his homework for his first year in junior next year that's an, that's an exciting signing huh future of downhill yeah. yeah absolutely um he's over there to race crankworks next weekend so my mechanic Ancho picked him and his dad up and showed him around the world cup this weekend i've been working on getting him signed up for the past couple months he's been riding my bike all season and putting in some really good results um we were just working through how the how the the deal would look and finally got it done last weekend which honestly came it looked like it came at a really good time after they showed the juniors live and the junior racing was exciting it was like a hot topic to sign a junior rider so it ended up working out pretty pretty good for me um yeah hopefully i mean a bunch of my sponsors already for this season reached out that we're stoked that we got them on board and looking forward to next year so hopefully we can build a really good program for next season and and personally too like i'm stoked to ride with him it'll be awesome to have a young kid pushing me um i think it'll be it'll be really cool for an american guy another fast american to be part of this program i think is a really good fit so i'm really looking forward to it exciting times and i'm also sat here with ollie morris line coach 
and more to the Mondraker team. Uh, Ollie, nice to be here in person with you this time. It's good to be back at the races. It is, yeah, yeah. It's uh, good to see you. To be fair, mate, I, I thought last week uh, we had it was a little bit more awkward with you being back <laughs> home. So uh, looking forward to this week with you by my side, helping me through it, mate. Oh, mate, you don't you don't need any help. We're going to be all good. And um, I guess worth pointing out, this was the first ever event with uh, enduro downhill and cross country, and it's been pretty nice this weekend. Hey, like so many familiar faces. Like it's uh, it's an uh, the environment feels really good. Like having everyone in the same place, it really does. Yeah, and it makes you realise how many people you know and <laughs> friends you have across all of the disciplines. Um, which again probably makes it a more busy weekend because you want to do your social, you want to catch up with people, some people you haven't seen in quite a while. Um, but and I think it definitely makes a busy weekend for media, especially some of the like videographers and photographers. I think they've had it for pretty sure. tough. Yeah, yeah. Enduro finished at half nine at night, mm. and the photographers I spoke to the next day when they were shooting downhill practice in the morning had had two hours sleep, <laughs> which is pretty insane. But yeah, fair play. Right, let's get stuck into uh, everything that's been going on. Before we do that, um, we had some news this week that. Amri Piron's crash uh, that took him out of contention last weekend was actually a bit more serious. Luckily, he went and got a check at the hospital to make sure he was okay to race this week, where they realised he'd fractured, fractured, I think, two vertebrae in his neck. Um, so he was here today on site in a neck brace. Uh, appears to be in good spirits. But yeah, heal up quick, Amri. We all love watching you, so all the best for a speedy recovery. Um, and yeah, adds to the list of fallen riders throughout the year, which seems to be growing maybe we'll talk a bit about that um ollie first just give us a bit of an oversight of the course here minimal change from previous years really other than probably the fastest lear gang we've ever seen yeah the fastest uh, lear gang we've ever seen for sure um there was a little bit of a change at the top they added an extra off camber in which um kept you out of some of the bike park turns and a couple of bike park jumps which was um, good to see, you know, I think they're quite restricted in Leo going by the farmers and where they can and can't take the track. So yeah. um, where they can, they were taking it off, you know, on the off camber, um, which was good. Although some people may not have thought that during quali run when it was wet, but um, it was nice to have that change. Um, and then the main change really, other than that, was... Uh, in the woods so it's the same woods in terms of general flow but it was way wider um and the and definitely straighter as you got further down um so that made it a lot faster in the woods and then add to that the first time that we've ever had a dry lear gang yeah. so uh yeah the woods became um well, as i'm sure we'll speak about more but a lot less of the thing that was going to win it. Yeah. If you know it wasn't what, I mean. what dictated the race as it has been in previous years. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And not, um, it wasn't much line puzzling from the outside. It looked like it developed pretty quickly into a one line track. So give or take it the odd little bit. But. Yeah. And it's interesting because as a line puzzler, it's uh, <laughs> it's your job. Yeah. It felt like there, there was a lot of line puzzling and okay. it, it was quite interesting because yeah, come right, come finals, it, there was one track you know and everyone was pretty much short of a couple of little tweaks here and there everyone was on the same line but again if you see the uh i don't want to call it turmoil but if you see the the development of uh where where riders tried to go mm -hmm. and where they all ended up 
there was kind of two things I had going on in my mind, which was one, have they all ended up on the same line come finals? Because there's only 30 of them and they copy each other. Because mm-hmm. I did hear words like, oh, you're the only person on that line. Not that line's slower. Yeah, It okay. was you're the only person on it, which I found quite interesting because I thought, well, yeah, maybe they're the only person on the faster line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether there was a little bit of um, following each other uh, going on. Mm. But equally, the way the track was developing, it did start becoming a bit of a, you know, one one track, a scale electrics track kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And and Nico, it looked, um, again, to me with my amateur eyes, like a track with very little kind of margin for error, the speeds being so high and the energy that the rider's sort of working with to absorb and keep pushing down the track. Like, you don't have to be very far offline before that starts to go wrong in a in a fairly major way it seems like a track where you had where precision was was pretty important yeah definitely especially this year with the conditions uh leo gang's been a fast track in the dry before um it was really just that bottom woods that that totally changed the the whole feel of the track and it was cool to see it running well this year um when we got there in 2020 for world champs it was like a war zone (laughs) and then somehow the next two years, it was like PTSD from the from that world champs, <laughs> like the same section again, in just as bad a condition. But obviously, the track builders had this vision for what we saw this weekend, and finally, the weather cooperated. But yeah, I think even some of the changes to the top of the track, from what I could see, made it run even faster. And then with these dry conditions, um, it just made that margin fair smaller. I think a lot of that stuff gets um, kind of one line because the main line is burned in and the the other lines get so much debris on them that it's hard to to get off of that and get any grip so the the the, the really spot with good good grip becomes pretty narrow and um i think that's why you kind of see some guys having trouble when they get off that main line it's not because the line's worse but there's just less grip out there yeah for sure and the, the weather did um although it was fair and pretty good all week uh the day of junior finals and elite qualifying the weather definitely did play a role and uh and mix things up a little bit so we'll talk a little bit about the racing um we'll start off with junior women which was um held before the the weather came in um and it was cool to actually we were up on track um throughout the the women's finals and, and watching some of these junior women ride for the first time uh, in person and the levels definitely on the up yet again um it was really impressive to see uh so we ended up with Lisa Boo, Bouladou, I think, taking her first win. Um, she looked incredible on track, hey? Like hitting the all the full wooden booters on the motorway and like very, very high level of riding ability. Amy Kenyon from Pink Bike Racing in second um, and R- Riley Miller in third. Uh, Valentina Rua Sanchez in fourth, who had a better result last week, but struggled a bit this week. And then it, we, we were all down to Arise Van Leeuwen, who was the fastest qualifier who had that horrific crash. That's not where you want to be coming off, is it, Ollie? Eh? Coming onto the that top fire road, it's like concrete this year, and it's quite a drop onto it from where she where she crashed. A big drop, yeah. The way they built the track, it, I mean, they, they literally fill in an, a sort of a, a ledge, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a ditch. So, the, yeah, you're falling a long way there. I think it's worth saying as well, and looking at the times there again, that um winner lisa on that 341 when valley 
who is obviously way further ahead in her career and in age and in experience and so on, is what, 18 seconds? Yeah, roughly. Roughly yeah. Uh, faster, which yeah. um, I think the gaps used to be an awful lot more than that a few years ago. Yeah, definitely. And it shows, you know, the, the women stepping up from junior into elite this year, which we'll talk about in a bit, and how well some of them are doing, I guess, just shows that that gap is coming down between those two categories, perhaps, even and, and the whole you know, the women are closing the gap on the men too. So that whole uh, area of the sport is is speeding up. And then we moved on to the, the junior men's and this is where it got a little bit interesting. Um, there was a pretty, like we were in the woods and the storm that came through, we didn't really notice too much, but apparently it was pretty windy up on the top um, and a bit of rain definitely came through the trees and, and made it slick. Um, so any rider that came down after that rain break really had their hands full of thing. Nico, did you watch the live broadcast? Because I think they had some issues with the broadcast for the juniors, hey? Like, I think it got cut off. Yeah, they, they ran up until that course hold. I think it was the first eight or ten riders. Um, it was the guy who won that went into the hot seat was the last rider down. And then, yeah, they, they put it on a delay, and then eventually they just didn't come back because I, I guess they had to switch for another broadcast short track or xc or something um but yeah we only got to see those first couple riders before the delay ah that's a shame yeah it was it was um one of those races where you know not everyone got dealt the same hand which is always a bit of a shame but yeah leo abella took the win from commissar lazor um and i think the rider that really deserves a shout out on the day for an incredible performance on a wet track is Bodie coon like to put it at 2.4 seconds back uh, in the wet because it did definitely degrade quite a lot quite quickly um that lower woods we were watching rider after rider come through and get caught out on routes and there's that little like a right hand turn with a big pad on the exit that hasn't got much support everyone was going straight on there so for Bodie to like throw down and put that run in um pretty impressive eh oh yeah and if you think about it he was only in the region of 10 seconds off you know, a sort of top five, well, at least it's semi-finals, like a, maybe even winning, I think, 10 seconds off of Finn's time. Yeah. Um, in those conditions. For sure. And the, condition, and the conditions today were probably better after the rain and a bit of sunshine, right? Like the yeah. the, the track probably had a little bit more today, do you think? For sure. It was it was actually interesting because the I thought the track was, the holes were going to get bigger um, because uh-huh. of the rain. And some of these World Cup tracks, when it does rain, and Nico will know this very well, how that just churns out and you end up with these huge holes but the riders may say otherwise but from the side of the track it definitely looked like some of the holes almost filled in is getting too carried away but definitely kind of smoothed out a little bit so um uh, yeah i think it, it developed really well and short of it sort of making qualifying and the the junior race mm-hmm. um a little bit more challenging to say the least yeah um come today i think you'd have wanted that rain from yesterday yeah and nico it, i mean it's a challenging one right we've we, the riders here have spent all week riding this thing in the bone dry like incredible conditions then they've sat and watched from the start hurt probably this storm come in and they've got to go again. And even if you've ridden it last year in the wet, it was very, very different. Like it's hard pack. It's super dry. The rain wasn't really getting through. It just created this wet roots and a, la- you know, a layer of slick on top. That's a real challenge, hey, to like work out where the pace is at. Yeah, as well, like where the lines are. I think when it's dry, all of practice, everybody gets used to riding certain inside lines and um, 
ruts don't develop like they do when it's soft and, and wet. So a lot of those off cambers, there's not something to catch you like there would be if there was a practice in the in the wet. So it's tough to imagine where you're going to need support and where to go when you when you haven't ever ridden a track in that condition that weekend. Um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a stressful situation. You have to you have to look further ahead. You have to kind of ride more on instinct and feel the track. Um, but it's a tough one, um, especially when so much goes into the weekend for um, a curveball to get thrown at you like that. It's it's uh, it's stressful as a rider. Yeah, for sure. And the uh, elite qualies had a very similar experience, I think. So the women went after the first storm, um, and it was pretty interesting. So Tani Seagrave, fifth place in uh, elite qualies. It was really cool to see her. Like, there's it feels like the level of aggression and commitment has stepped up another level this week i'd say so definitely it seems like she's in a little bit of a better spot monica rasnick in fourth and then nina hoffman looked like she was on an absolute heater she was just putting in so much time to everyone had a little crash um in the last turn i think dropped onto her bad leg where she's got this knee brace on uh, she was uh, not ideal i think and then still ended up in third so cami in second valley in first but Nina had so much pace. That must be like a bit worrying for the other women to see that and be like, whoa, she's third with a crash. Like what, what do we need to pull out the bag here? She's riding well. You can't take it away from her at the moment. She's riding really well. And obviously crashing isn't good, but I think it's really good to see uh, the female category, how hard they're pushing, you know, and, and Nina, yeah, okay. Maybe stepping a bit too over the mark, but, um, but respect for, to her for going for it. Yeah, definitely. Incredible to watch. And then the uh, elite men was a real mix up. So we had a few people come down the hill um, in the sort of semi drying conditions. The track had definitely improved. The juniors and the elite women had kind of cut it back in and it was running fairly well by the looks of things. Um, but yeah, then we had another huge storm come in and I've seen footage from at the top of the hill with like the start hut tent you know people holding it down there was a huge amount of wind up there and riders just left kind of wondering what was going to happen I think a lot of riders I think Laurie said he was at the top for about an hour waiting not really sh sure when they were going to drop have you ever been in that situation Nico where things go a bit uh, awry and you all of your plans I guess go out the window as well because your warm-up's quite structured huh oh uh, yeah I, I have a few times I I remember Champry Worlds going back a long way there was so many riders and the only way to get them riders that had crashed off the track was with a helicopter. So it would be big delays, like guys that weren't that badly injured. It was just so steep that they couldn't get them out. So there was big delays, big delays all day. And, um, yeah, you, you have all this excitement built up for your race and then you plan your warm up. you plan, um, you know, you're listening to music, getting in the zone, visualizing the track leading up normally you have like an hour warm up you get to the top to to kind of be in that right mindset and get your body ready for that race run and then all right we've got a 30 minute delay then you have to stop pause that because you can't just take the 30 minute chill before your race then you have to kind of restart the warm up and it it definitely throws things off um i'd say the only nice thing is when it happens to everyone everyone's in the same boat to deal with it but um it seemed like in this quality it was a little bit inconsistent um some of those earlier guys got for one better conditions and also not their routine thrown off so 
that's definitely a challenge. Um, it's nice when everybody has an equal shot, and sometimes that's tough, uh, especially with weather. Yeah, definitely. So we saw some some different names in that top five uh, from the quali. So David Palazzari took first place. Matt Walker, who we would expect to see near the top in second. Uh, Ian Guillaume, I think, in third. Johan Garcin in fourth. And Loris Rivelli in fifth. Um, for me, standout performance of the day, though. Well, there was two that were like showing, I guess, an intent for the weekend and showing what might happen. Um, that was Finn and Andy Kolb. Both put down incredible results. Andy in ninth, Finn in seventh, I want to say. Uh, trying to find it. I think that's right, there. yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't read it. He was definitely up there, though, wasn't he? He was. He was well into the uh, the quality chunk. Um, and Finn, I heard an interview with, with him and Sven saying that he'd got to the top. His mechanic had accidentally brought Jordan's wheels up. <laughs> which is not ideal, but maybe they came with the Velcro on that he had at Lenzheide and enabled him to stick it to every corner. Um, but he also took up two left-hand gloves, <laughs> which he discovered quite near the start. So he ended up borrowing a, a spare pair from Loris Vergier, who were obviously the wrong brand. So he had to rub mud into the, the logos on the back of the gloves. I wonder if maybe it helped him get in a little bit of a, like take the pressure off a little bit dealing with something like that. But yeah, seventh place, um, that's kind of, I think he showed, him and Andy showed what, what they were maybe going to be doing the rest of the weekend. Totally. And you get this, you you've, you see it, I think, year in, year out, this time training, quali, although we don't have time training anymore, but in previous years, time training, quali race, and now quali semi-final race, you, you get these signs and, and they do mean something for the race. You know, like I think everybody around them starts saying, oh yeah, but I would sort my stuff out and I'll do this. But actually, you know, if the person's showing good speed on track, it's going to give the, a good sign of who can potentially win uh, come race day. Definitely, definitely. Right, let's move on to, to race day. Like I said, it rained, I think, quite a bit overnight. Um, mm. It was definitely wet in first practice. Eh? People were dealing with some less than optimal conditions yeah yeah I, I think it rained quite a lot overnight um and it did make the f practice challenging but this track dries quickly like it was you know even to be honest by the time i'd got up there which was um about halfway through group b uh, there were signs of the track becoming pretty good already you know there, obviously the woods were taking a little bit longer than the open mm -hmm. um but then by uh, by the Group A practice, it was it was it was in good condition, like in in a position where people could actually start pushing rather than um, having to kind of nurse their way down, maybe yeah. like the day before. Yeah, and it's, it's semi final. I'm still not sure how I feel about semi finals. I can't work out whether I'm excited for it or whether I just want to get to the race. Nico, you've been watching it as a fan from home. Like, how have you found this the semi final edition? Um, I would say it's nice for the riders from 30 to 60 who get their run televised. Like mm -hmm. last year, they would start the broadcast at, at 30th place and work up from there. And these t this time, at least those guys get their, to show their run on TV. Um, they're, they're coming at a minute interval, so it's pretty quick to be able to show much of the track. But um, I'd say after the race, it's kind of hard to remember exactly all that happened watching three runs from all the guys. But it it is cool to maybe see some some riding from some guys you normally wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, fair comment for sure. What about you, Ollie? Have you got a view on it? Um, from thinking about the fans 
and spectators on site i think it looks really good mm-hmm. there seems to be quite a few people walking down the side of the track uh enjoying like a full day of day out if you like and a full day of racing so um how it worked for finals i don't exactly know because i stayed at the bottom but through semis it looked like everybody all the spectators kind of did a, a track walk call it worked their way down had a look and saw all the riders and then it and then the finals uh obviously there was a lot of people at the bottom at I suppose as there always is so I think yeah for on-site potentially really good I suppose I haven't had the pleasure of watching at home yet where maybe it's quite a long day in front of the tv or laptop or whatever yeah yeah well um I also find it hard to know like who's pushing like if the (laughs) you see the results and I'm like is that you like going hard where where's everyone's pace I think riders are still trying to work out what their semi-final pace needs to be, do you think? Uh, I, I think they're put... The, well, and not even think they have to push. You know, the points... If you do, if you relax through semis, well, number one, you may not even get into the finals. Uh, but if you're one of the top guys, you need the points. It's 100 points for semis, mm-hmm. which is... Um, well, actually, my maths is out here slightly, but it's nearly 50% of the points you can get for finals. So it's it's really worth getting points at that point. I think, though, that race, it shows here, and this is from a coaching perspective, but it shows here how much a rider can learn from doing a really fast run, from doing a race run, yeah. because they're jumping another... Four seconds. Four seconds. Yeah, Same yeah. lens hype, wasn't it? You know, and so that the jump's still going. It, <laughs> for me, it's like, let's have, a, let's have another moto and see if they can go <laughs> faster again, but maybe that will start causing injuries. But yeah, it's... I think it's a good thing. They're, you know, they're going to keep, they're going faster and faster. And if you look at the times in the finals for both men and women, they are definitely getting closer yeah. because everyone's getting closer to their actual limit. Yeah, very true, very true. So yeah, the semi-final results, I mean, no real surprise to see Finn, Loic and Jackson in that top five. But I thought it was really cool, Nico, to see um, two of the Canyon Collective riders back up there that, you know, both great riders, but we've just not quite seen touching that top five for a while. Troy Brosnan and Lucas Shaw sliding it into third and fifth in the semis was a good sign of things to come, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Luca does well on this track. He's he's super strong as a rider, and that, that motorway section, I think he can generate a lot of speed. And he normally builds through his run too, and I think there's more time to gain at the bottom than the, than the first third. So um, putting together that strong motorway with a strong bottom wood section, I think, suited him well and then um, gave him some confidence with that with that semifinals result to go into the final. Yeah, definitely. And then in the women's, we, we make this cut from 15 to 10, which still feels a bit harsh, hey? I, I feel like there's so many good women now that we need a few more in the final, you think? I think so. Yeah, I was looking at it I, I, every week. I sort of looked at it and gone, oh, yeah, it's only down to 10. It's almost like we could fit 15 in there. And there's 15, you know, very talented women. There's no reason to cut them from a, I'm sure there is to do with TV and all these other various reasons. But in terms of actual riding ability, uh, there's absolutely no reason to cut them down. Yeah, for sure. We lost Tiny. She had a, a spill in the in the stump section, I think, and ended up twisting the cockpit a little bit and had to ride that to the bottom. But I think we're getting close to podiums again from Tani, which is really cool. Doesn't that just sort of summarise, though, that, you know, 
a Tane Seagrave should be able to crash and still be in the finals. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, a few years ago, you probably would have been, right? Yeah, yeah. and she yeah. would have been if she'd have if if it was fifteen. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to have seen her in the final for sure. Jess blew it, I think, with a pretty impressive save. She went literally to flat <laughs> off that first motorway jump. Uh, nose heavy, it looked as well. I don't know how she held that. Oh, uh, and I saw people not hold that, do the same, and not hold it, and yeah. it looks uncomfortable. Pretty nasty. Yeah, um, and then I guess the top five is kind of what we expected nico what what were you expecting to see from rachel this weekend like did you think there was potential there for another win and continuing this streak of holding the leaders jersey or was leah gang always going to be a bit more of a of an ask for her coming from the level that she's sort of building up to at the moment honestly i i had no idea um i think i was surprised last week and i think everyone was and it's hard to know how you're going to carry that win into the next race. I wouldn't have been surprised if she won and I wouldn't have been surprised if she got fifth. So, um, I thought, um, I thought her finish was really good. I was expecting obviously big things from Valley on this track. And I thought in any case, she would be hard to beat. And I thought Cammy would be fired up after, I believe she felt like the wind slipped through her, her fingers last weekend. So, um, I don't think any of those girls wanted Rachel to beat them again. <laughs> and uh, it made for an exciting final. It did. And yeah, Valley, like, I think showed that she was out meaning business with a 5.6 second lead over uh, Nina and then Cammy in a semi. So I think she was definitely fired up um, to throw down. And throw down she did. Let's talk about the, the women's final. Um, Nina, unfortunately, found exactly the same piece of netting that she found on this track last year in her finals run, which is uh, a real shame. But I think eventually she's going to have some luck go her way this season, eh? Yeah, she will have some luck go her way. And I just want her to keep pushing. I think it's cool. Like I said earlier, just keep keep going and uh, and it'll come. I think uh, maybe she's got to look at some reasons why. Um, uh, but hey, she, she's going well and her pace is good. Definitely. And Nico, we mentioned last week that Phoebe Gale was looking, you know, good in Vital Raw. It didn't quite come together for her last week. Um, but this week, first podium, that's got to be a really big um, boost of confidence, I guess. Like first year out of uh, out of junior, straight in, second race, fifth place. That's, that's pretty awesome against this field, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for her to see um, an improvement, about both races this season like last week was a really good start and then this week was even better and on the podium I think that's where you really see confidence and fire is like you're getting better and better but you're you still haven't reached the very top so she's going to be motivated for the rest of the season yeah I'm excited to see where that goes I think there was quite a lot of emotion from Phoebe after that it must have must have really meant a lot to her Monica Harasnik let's talk about Monica I don't she's on the same team as Cammy. I don't think I've seen them on track together it seemed to go and do their own thing. Do you know, like, how do they do they work together much? Have you seen? No, I, I think they used to more, but this weekend, um, I think in the, even this year, they've both um, got uh, their coach or somebody supporting them, following them, and or, uh -huh. or them following them on track. So that's a different person for each one of them, is it? Yes, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. It was really clear. I mean, uh, nobody said anything, but there was the same same person following them both so yeah <laughs> either they were just trying to copy their lines or or doing the job that i did with ellie last year yeah interesting but monica's riding again i think looked she looks super strong it feels like she's taking up a bit of a notch this year 
She has. She was showing those signs last year, wasn't she? Um, and her progression over yeah over the season last year was brilliant. So, yeah, she's uh, she's definitely pushing the top girls more and more each week. Yeah, and then Rachel Atherton into third place. That time as she was coming down had some pretty big margin on uh, whoever was in the hot seat at the, at the time, and uh, lost a little bit in the woods. Do you think? I'm guessing fitness is going to play a little bit of a role on a track like this, Nico. It's a relatively physically demanding track once you get into that lower section like the the more challenging riding i would say is maybe towards the bottom end yeah for sure i think um you kind of catch a little bit of a breath on the motorway maybe it's tougher for the girls to catch a breath because they're not quite carrying as much speed but then when you drop into that bottom woods it's steep so it's heavy on your hands there's big compressions in there and you're already at your max heart rate so it's a tough section and probably fitness comes into play more than Lenzer Heide did. So I'm sure with her not racing for so long, maybe she gave up a little time on the other girls in that section. Yeah. And then Cami Blanche into second. A typical Cami run, I would say, like it looked precise and accurate and in control. Do you, do you think Cami's going to need to find a little bit more or take a bit of risk? Like it's quite a big gap to first here. Uh, yeah, potentially. I suppose it depends on what she's after. Because hmm. if the if you think championship wise, she's a championship winner, isn't she? Uh, and she'll you know carrying on as she's done, she'll do that again. You know, so it's um, yeah, depends. You know, if chasing the wins means there's higher risk to your overall. True, and she is sitting in the lead in the overall. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a bit. But yeah, Valley Hole. I mean, it's a home race. She I think lives in Salzburg. Apparently she's been here quite a lot over the last few weeks training, which makes complete sense if you if you live nearby. But this this track's never gone well for her in the past. She hurt her ankle here at Champ. She's crashed in the last turn. Like finally she's put those demons to bed. Um, Nico, do you think that makes Valley more dangerous now? Like she's never quite managed to get onto that wave that riders seem to catch and build confidence. But she looks so stoked to take the win here. Yeah, I mean, I think she can definitely take confidence in her riding. Just watching back any of the footage, she looked really strong on the bike. And, like, I watched some of the the beat practice, um, Vital Raw, and, and she was, like, faster than the junior guys and jumping stuff. <laughs> so I think she can take confidence away from all that, no matter that it's her home track or not. And, um, yeah, just to put it together in her home country will be just a, a really positive feeling no matter what. So I think... Yeah, there'll be some fire for her for the rest of the season as well. Definitely, and a perfect run, first in all the sectors, and a 4.3 second gap on a track <laughs> like this. When it's down to one line, that's a, that's a really big margin. That is a big margin, yeah. When, uh, when as we'll look at in a minute, the men's is separated by, like, I think there was 10 riders on the same second or something like that. Um, to be that far up is, uh, is really good. And, and I speak about the gaps between kind of the juniors uh, and Valley's time, and you know, it's probably worth noting as well the gap between Valley's time and then the winning men elite time. Um, you know, in twenty three seconds or twenty four seconds, uh, it's definitely getting closer. Partly because the women are getting faster, that's for sure. Um, partly maybe because the track isn't that technical and a bit one line, as we already mentioned. But um, but yeah, absolute respect. She's uh, she's flying. 
yeah, it's cool to watch, and I'm hoping we'll see a lot more of that this season. Let's move on to the men's racing. Um, and a rider we've said on the way walking here that we wanted to make sure we talk about a little bit is Joe Breeden. So Joe's had a rough few years. He's a rider that you've worked with in the past, Ollie, and know very well. Um, quite a lot of injury, um, but always has shown sort of promise when he's been fit and healthy. And it feels like maybe he's starting to get back to that, like first time in the big show this year and a 29th place for Joe. Yeah, it's awesome to see him in the finals. He didn't even qualify in Lenzerheide uh, by about 0.1 of a second. Um, so, and after the amount of work he's put in through the winter and the amount of changes he made to his programme in the winter was huge. So, you know, he came in wanting more. Lenzerheide didn't quite deliver. But Joe being Joe stayed positive following Lenzerheide recalculated what he needed to do and then got to the finals I think speaking to him he was a bit disappointed with his finals run but at this stage he's got to be happy he's there and then next week he can then move on you know further up the field again yeah for sure Nico I want to talk a little bit about Bernard Kerr a rider that was definitely um, you know a podium contender last year and uh, I think a lot of people had very high hopes for this year but moved on to that new pivot bike, like I think quite close to the start of the season. I don't know how much time he's actually had on it. 4.3 off, it's not a long way off, but I'm guessing 18th is not where Bernard's going to want to be. Like, do you think this comes down to just trying to work out where the pace is? Do you think it could be getting used to the, that new bike? Um, it's really hard to say. I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of variables that could contribute to it. Um, this is definitely a track that he normally does well at. I think he had his first podium here a few years ago. Um, and maybe, I don't know, going into the off season, feeling on such a high, maybe he rested on his laurels a little bit. I don't know. Um, Bernard's a guy that has so much going on. I've, uh, I have a ton of respect for him now that I've put together my own race program, that he's able to manage the same task with way more people and still put in podium results is is super impressive um but i really think there's the times are just so tight like maybe he didn't put together quite the run he wanted and was just yeah four seconds off where it's which maybe in years past would have been top 10 top five now is 18th um i I think if bernard can can put together a super clean run the way he wants to i I don't think he's missing anything i just I, i believe it's just down to executing the run he needs to yeah let's talk a little bit about ocean o'callaghan 17th place for him which is really good he's a rider that you know junior world champ and then struggled uh with various issues and injuries kind of as he's as he's moved up into the elite ranks lost a shoe last week i saw him earlier in the week and he said he tied his shoes up much tighter this week um but yeah really really cool to see ocean back up there like a super talented very committed rider and nice to see him getting some results so cool to see him up there he's uh i love two things about uh, Oshin. one is like his attitude to riding like his general approach he's full commit you know he he's he, he's he's all in kind of thing shoe or no shoe yeah. um uh but also the way he rides you know he's, he's technically really really good um you know he's still a young lad isn't he and we forget like yes there's people like jetson and jordan coming through and obviously podium in jordan's case winning um but normally <laughs> it takes a few years for people to kind of mature and figure out the game. So, um, yeah, you can only see him rising through the ranks. Definitely. Uh, right, who should we touch on next? Well, Jordan Williams, 13th place, Nico. Jordan, after you know a really incredible build into last weekend and a very convincing win, 
um, didn't seem to quite have the pace through any of the sessions this week. I mean, he's not been slow by any stretch of the imagination, but just not quite maybe where we've already got used to seeing him uh, fitting into the lineup. Do you think there's, you know, I'm sure he's had a lot of uh, media requests, a lot of um, additional people wanting to speak to him, wanting selfies with him. Like he's gone from being pretty famous to mega famous in the mountain bike world overnight. Do you think that sort of stuff can have an impact on people? I've heard people talk about the world champs curse, but could we see something like that for Jordan? Do you think? Um, I think it's definitely a new thing for him. Um, I, I don't know. He seems pretty level-headed guy, so I'm sure he deals with it well. And maybe just like with so many changing conditions this weekend, with the track being fast in one line, he just rode slightly conservative. Um, it's hard to really say without asking him. But um, and nevertheless, like 13th place with the margin back isn't isn't really too far. Um, maybe he's just working on that, dialing it in just perfectly. He got it right last week, um, but it's it's really hard. And and a lot of other guys maybe left last week with with more motivation than him. He kind of felt like he got the job done, whereas everyone else was that he was racing against wanted to uh, make sure that didn't happen again. So it could, it could just be just a different difference in approach from him compared to his competition coming into this race. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that if he went one second faster, he'd have been seventh. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's wild. You know, it? like we, the way we were speaking is almost like, ah, oh, yeah, he's underperformed. And yeah. actually, I kind of think, you know, rider like him, it, it's cool to see him accept a thirteenth place. You know, because yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling that him and Jackson were going to come out trying to win every race and be a bit yo-yo, either win it or or blow not up. finish. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. actually, I think for him to follow it up with a thirteenth is um very clever and quite wise really rather than thinking he can win another one and like you say blowing up yeah completely yeah yeah i i I sort of expected the same thing but both of them have shown a very like yeah you say level-headed sort of mature approach Mm. to coming into their elite career which just only makes them more dangerous i think and we again we talked about this a little bit on the way here but um with the course being as one line and as fast as it is a lot of riders that i've spoken to are like i'm just trying to like keep a bit of a lid on it and not peak too soon. And you could see the pace ramp up through the sessions by quite a lot. It was quite obvious when riders started to push. Mm. Do you think it's, there's a risk with that, that you don't push enough as you're getting towards the finals. You don't quite find exactly where that hot pace is. Yeah. I think there is a risk of that. It's, um, uh, yeah, that is the challenge of downhill, isn't that's the exciting thing for the fans, and that's the challenging and obsessive thing for the riders, isn't it, to find that perfect balance kind of thing and hit that that perfect peak. Um, but yeah, this weekend, this week even, it did feel like quite a long week. It was quite interesting. I felt like the riders were almost like the practice this morning. They were kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm done. You know, I, I'm I'm happy. I just need to go fast now, but still kind of try and hold themselves back. <laughs> but like you say, holding yourself back for too long. Uh, means you don't actually hit your total maximum. So, um, yeah, there's you know it's uh, that's part of the strategy side of things that a rider has to go through and have the ability to tweak as they go because things like weather um, and uh, and some of the other changes that can come on through the weekend, or sometimes in terms of even schedule. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a challenging route for them. But the one thing is for sure that especially in that top ten or. I would maybe just just say the top thirty men now, 
it is they're all pushing crazy, crazy, crazy fast. So it's like they've got to push really fast and they've got to be really clean, you know, and, and that's probably what Andy did this week and what Jordan did last week. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about Ronan Dunn, uh, a rider that we're used to seeing big moves and loose riding from. I think he's uh, he's an all-in kind of guy. Yeah. Had that podium result last year um, and just working his way into the pace this year. He set a pretty hot time quite early. Eighth place is, is where he's finished up, but it looked for a little bit like, oh, is anyone going to get near this, Nico? It was, uh, it was a good run and lo- it looked a bit more con- like, I don't want to say more control because it's not right, but like, it look it didn't look scary like some of Ronan's runs do where he like whoa it could go wrong at any minute he looked like he had that pretty well under control yeah <clears throat> Ronan's one of my favorite riders to watch just as a fan just to see somebody throwing everything into the run like that is so exciting and sometimes it doesn't pan out for him when you ride that way but he's like getting more mature I think he's getting stronger too so we can hold on to it um, but that last woods had his name all over it. Like that's the type of stuff that he's really good at. So it was cool to see him start out on a solid run and then build through that last woods section. And um, from when he came down compared to the guys around him, you could vis- visibly see the speed he was carrying through that bottom woods, which was super cool. So stoked for him. I think like it's snowshoe. I don't want to say he got lucky, but it worked out perfectly where he had a good quality in the mud. Like he's good in the mud. And then the track was drying out so much that the guys at the end on that day had an advantage. So getting a podium, it kind of just like all fell into place for him. He totally deserved it and earned it. But this weekend he was riding same, same condition as everyone else. There was no, um, nothing, no advantage to when you started and to pull down an eighth place that close to the win is like totally legit. So he should be stoked with that and carry some confidence out of this race. Definitely. I've got to add, if you don't mind, something yeah. about Ronan. When we're doing timing and stuff back in the UK, he is the first one to come and get the chip off you. Like, <laughs> there's no hiding. And, and this is why I think in terms of his attitude, you know, he'll come and get a timing chip. He puts it on his bike. He posts a time. If he does rubbish, he just says, ah, you know, he's like shows everyone his time and accepts it and goes and tries harder next time. Uh, and if he does well, he's absolutely stoked. It's, he, he just has this real good... He's just like, let's go and do it and be open about it. Whereas some riders all sort of hide from the timing chip a little yeah, bit and okay. want to, you know, like be too scared to know if they're on or off in the winter in terms of speed. So, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. He is always like high energy character. Like he just wants to be going. Yeah. First yeah. on the hill normally as well. So, yeah, yeah he's awesome. Yeah, it's good to see. Yeah. Nico, let's talk about a good friend of yours, Lucas Shaw. Um, I was up on track on, I think it was Thursday morning um, and he had what? to me look like a huge crash um as you come off the top off camber across the fire road and gap down into that right hander i don't know whether the crash blew his front wheel up or something went with the front wheel um but you know definitely a a lot of uh collateral damage to his kit and to the bike and uh i helped him get the bike up to the gondi and we were chatting a bit and he's like yeah shoulders a bit sore and his like pants are ripped and stuff so to come from a really rough start to the week on a track like that to bring it all back together and stick it into fifth place. And it's been a while since we've seen Luca on the podium. He's had a lot of challenges to work through, but it's ace to see that the pace is there. And I'd love to see Luca back to that, like form he was on. What year would it be? I can't even remember how long ago it was now when he was qualifying first. 
Yeah, I think it was 2018 when when he was qualifying first. Um, and yeah, like as you said, he's had a bunch of adversity to work through since then. If you go back and listen to the the podcast you did with him, the interview, he explains it really well, and you can see from his perspective what he's been dealing with. Um, but I think Luca's biggest attribute is his mindset. He's such a like a game on racer. When when the pressure's on, he can execute and deliver. And he never really overreacts to things. So for him to to take that crash, work through it is not surprising. And um, I think the tough thing for him sometimes is to like rise to that winning pace of dudes who go all in, where Luca is like super consistent and like will ride whatever his max pace is and not feel the need to push over that. So for this weekend, him to like get that level right and his pace be a podium pace I think he can take a ton of confidence from and um it's just been tough for him to like get the momentum rolling I think last year like he had podium in lords and then a few rounds later broke his wrists so hopefully like this solid start like was 12th last week and then fifth this week like a really good first two rounds and hopefully he can just like build that all the way through the season because yeah he has everything it takes he just Almost needs a little bit of, of like luck of things not going wrong to, to keep it rolling. Definitely, yeah. Great result for Luca. Let's talk about Finn Isles, the man who won semis, a man who definitely looked like he could challenge for the win. And um, we seem to see this quite a lot in racing, but final sectors can catch people out. I don't know if maybe like your brain switches gear. You're like, oh, I'm nearly home. I'm through all the gnarly stuff. Like, let's just get this home and something goes. And he had that slide kind of coming like as you turn out of the wood, I guess, into that, like the last couple of turns feel like that cost him quite a bit, I think. Yeah, it seemed to, doesn't it? And I was just looking at his, his sector time there. It's sector four, uh, 229.455. And then Andy, 229.195. So actually Andy was still up just by yeah. that split, which we thought was the other way around, uh, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he was on it. It was, again, another brilliant delivered run really like it's until that one mistake um similar to his quality run you know really 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 solid so um yeah he's he's still in the fight again and uh we're probably going to see some wins out of him this year oh yeah i wouldn't be surprised at all nico let's talk about jackson goldston i mean we had two jo- two uh the two jays coming up to join the elites this year and we were we were expecting some fire jordan threw down in the first round and took the win and it looked pretty much like Jackson was going to do the same here definitely riding um back at his best after a, a rough week coming into Lenzerheide with appendicitis issues and things like that eight for the first split but then one 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 and again it was like a final turn issue he seemed to just get some oversteer coming on to that last straight in and you lose I guess a big chunk of speed coming over the, the final jump an incredible run though up to that point yeah it was super exciting to watch um, they showed a lot of the top with drone coverage, and I guess it was after that second tunnel he, like, gapped inside, um, which I didn't see anybody else do, which looked really cool. It just showed his, like, confidence in, in his grip, which that section doesn't have a ton of grip. That top of that track is, like, hard-packed and gravelly and been beating in the sun all day. Um, and for him to, like, pull some of those moves are pretty impressive. He also, like, gapped into one of the turns, kind of like a, a stair stepping roots in the bottom woods where like you can't you also can't tell how steep that section is and 
think him being like a lighter rider, he can carry more speed and, and kind of like jump into that turn and still get slowed down, which is really impressive to see. You could see the confidence kind of building in that bottom section. And yeah, just like a bummer in the last turn. I think we've seen it from a few people like Valley crashed there last year. Um, Finn pushed in the turn before it. Um, I think guys are just on the max and like you're at the bottom of your run. Everyone's tired and wants to get to the finish. And I, I think that those guys have the attitude that like when they're on a good run, their brain says like, make this one count, like get to that finish line, not you're on a good one, like nurse it, like be, don't mess up the last turn, go easy. Like they didn't get there by riding like that. So they want to, they want to like make that run, cash it in for a win. And, um, they go all out in the last turn and it's just part of what happens. I think he was pretty um it showed his like bike handling skill to like save that and and not make it like he gave up a second but he could have he could have crashed and he he held on to it and still got on the podium so um yeah it would have been exciting to see where he and Andy stacked up after if if he would have made it without that issue yeah again not going to be long until we see a win from Jackson Golson I suspect and then second place Loic Bruni it was a as we're used to seeing, it was a Loic Bruni run. Like it looked precise, it looked accurate, it looked good, and he seemed pretty stoked with second place. To be fair, he was seemed happy when he came to the finish. I guess he's happy that he's ahead of uh, his teammates. You know, that's where he wants to be. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I, I had my money on him winning this weekend. Um, based on it, what? Like you've uh, been up on the track a lot. Uh, yeah, based. On, uh, to be fair, yeah, watching the semi, partly based on watching the semi-finals, the way he was coming through, like there was um, through the kind of stump section where you go down off the wall, and then through the first of the two stump sections yeah. at the top. The precision, uh, the explosive power was insane uh and the timing of like you they effectively just like jump into these like holes and pop out of stumps for about three or four of them um his was above everybody else's so there was that but also style of track like uh, the conditions were consistent for him the track was high speed um it was like it was just downhill, like as it, as he would say, as it should be. Yeah. Uh, and I think that really helped uh, for him, and and that's why I have to say I thought he was going to win it. But uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> that's before our local turned up. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Andy Cole. Um, he got his first ever elite male podium here a year ago in Leagang in his home country, um, which meant a lot to him, and we saw tears then. We definitely saw some <laughs> tears today. Last weekend didn't quite go his way. The pace was clearly there and he, 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 I think, gone in with the intention of going hard from the start of the weekend and by race day, it all just went a little bit too far and he, he had that crash in his race run, which cost him a bit. Um, I saw him earlier in the week and he was like, I'm going to try and do exactly the opposite of last week <laughs> <laughs> and just like, we'll build into this. And, and then that's exactly what he's done. Like, I think you could see in that semi in the wet that the pace was there. Like he was, he was one of the faster guys, but... Nico, that run, any thoughts on it? It looked from the outside to me pretty damn perfect. Yeah, I think he, he did a good job of like making time where there was time to be made. And in all the, the other sections, he kind of just leveled what everybody else was doing. Like visibly, he was faster in the kind of like the second half of the bottom woods sector. There's like that section where they kind of straightened it out. It used to go uphill and in the mud looks so, so slow. But now that it's dry, was people are like ripping and breaking up the hill. 
and coming through there he just like you could see visibly he and finn also looked really good on the on the broadcast um and and just like showed his confidence in in his bike and his grip as he as he got further through his run so i think um just his a his like lead into the race like last year was getting better and better like podiums maybe a position better um and then last weekend coming in with like all the ingredients but it not panning out like a i saw he dropped his chain and then um crashed in the final so it was like it was not like he got to the bottom and just didn't have it he like didn't get to show it and i think that fired him up even more and then coming into a race in his home country it was just like the perfect day for him to to make it happen and man that's got to be such high pressure like he said in the in the interview that when valley won it took the pressure off because an austrian had already won <laughs> but i would feel like like in any case racing in your home country with that many people um like you want to take advantage of it and seize the moment uh, and i think it's so cool that they both were able to win today in austria like that's so good for the sport for how many I don't know, little kids that are there watching and can see these two riders that are no different than them. It's not like somebody who came from another continent and was like a superhero and, and won and they can't relate. It's like these are two young young guys, him and Valley from Austria, that were able to like win the World Cup against everyone in the world on, on their home soil. So I think it's just really healthy for the for the whole sport when when you can see that and it's inspiring for the next generation definitely the crowd did erupt uh in quite <laughs> a big way when both of them took those wins it was really yeah really cool to see and and andy we've seen last year like he's king of consistency he, he gets onto that wave and he rides it and uh it's going to be interesting to see what this does to him like to for him to now believe that not only is he podium guy he's a winner He's, yeah and your his consistency must come from the way he rides you know he does he's he's it's simple but effective i think is probably how you you describe his riding you know mm -hmm. it's he it does the basics well and uh that matched with obviously a very competitive spirit um somebody who can manage the pressure and it looks like uh, maybe it was that bottom split that was the fans that just dragged him home and, yeah, and pulled him over the line i don't know yeah it worked for him didn't it yeah it certainly did yeah great to see let's have a quick look at the overall standings then after this round uh so we were saying you know cammy definitely knows how to play the overall game she's sitting pretty comfortably in the lead now on 680 points ahead of rachel atherton on 616 valley in third nina in fourth and monica in fifth so she's come away from the weekend with pretty solid position i guess she has, yeah. And when you think about it, again, we're already at 700 points nearly uh, round two. And we spoke about this last week, but I think it could, it looks like they're miles ahead uh, than maybe sort of third, fourth place. But, you know, it only takes writing off one round, either through injury, mechanical or whatever, and, and it could soon soon turn on its head. So it could be quite an interesting season as it goes on. Yeah, there's still a lot of points to be won. Um, and then in the men's, uh, we've got Loic Bruni leading the overall. Again, something that we're pretty used to these days. Um, he's 101 points ahead of Finales in second, Loris Vergier in third, Andreas Kolb in fourth, and Jackson Golson in fifth. Jordan slips down to sixth there. Um, Nika, like you say, there's still all to play for. That's fairly tightly packed. We're early in the season. Um, but I guess it's no real surprise to see that, that list of riders at the top, eh? 
Yeah, I'd uh, I'd say like Bruni was pretty pretty fired up for this new format and um, wanted to like come in with the strategy to try to win it. He's like he's motivated a lot by that, and it's cool to see him um, like be consistent. Like he's been so good in the semifinals and taking the points from there. Um, he was bummed in the rain that he didn't get any points, so he's definitely like going after all the points opportunities he can. And um, I guess the one guy that is kind of flown under the radar is Loris, which which may be good for him come the end of the season. We've had a few seasons from Loris where all of a sudden he's second in the overall, and you kind of he creeps up there. Um, <laughs> and I think he rides well when he, when there's less pressure on him. So uh, what what do you guys think that? Um, both the leaders haven't won a final. Like that was one thing that I worried about with this new format was that there were so many points on offer before the final that someone could potentially even get through the season without winning a final, but being more consistent and and win the overall. Yeah, I I picked up the individual standings from the media tent on the way here and was surprised to see the names at the top of the list. It wasn't like in my head if I'm sort of doing maths based on previous years and thinking who I think is going to be in the in the in the jersey and, it, and it's not it's, it feels odd but i guess that's the system we've got this year it is the system and it does demand uh consistency and already we're seeing the two consistent riders at the top like we spoke about you know from uh, both camille and um bruni yeah, so yeah. um yeah but let's see how that plays out even further but yeah you see you know even jordan like he won last week and now he's suddenly sixth in the overall yeah, you know, it seems seems like normally if you've won one, you're quite high up just for that win. Yeah, true. Um, so yeah, it shows that consistency is going to matter. Shows that even qualifying is going to matter. You know, there's 50 points for quali, uh, then it's 100 for semi, isn't it? And then 250 for finals. So it's um, yeah, it's going to be all to play for. And as we say, I think we're going to see some good movement uh, in the field as it goes on because I'm sure there's I think Matt Walker for a good example is a little bit back in the men's at the moment after not getting into the finals last week Uh, but we all know how fast he can go we all know he could you know put a couple of consistent races together in terms of sort of semis and finals and suddenly you'll find him up in that top five so um, yeah it could be disheartening I think more than anything else if you're a rider say Matt you know down in whereabouts is he 20th 20th yeah or you know Danny for example 22nd these these riders who can podium and evidence that they're on podium speed um, can soon turn it around and nudge some of the other ones back a bit yeah, yeah. Literally every session, you've got to be firing. You can't really afford to miss one, can you? For sure. I'd, I'd say on one hand, like the win is so difficult to get that I, I think maybe it should be rewarded a little more. But on the other hand, dudes aren't out if they have an issue. There's so many time sessions that a guy like Matt Walker, who missed last week, is not totally out of it after like he would be if he missed one final race um, with a mechanical. So. Yeah, it's just a different system, and I definitely think it does reward consistency more than race wins, which is is just a different different format to where you're used to. Yeah, it's a tricky one to work out quite how I feel about. I'm sure as the season progresses, we'll start to like understand how this new format works, and it'll mm. bed in, and we'll work out yeah where everything lands. But yeah, we've had two pretty good races so far, I would say, irrespective of any changes to the structure, the points, the commentary. It's 
been really exciting to watch. It has been exciting, hasn't it? And that's what's cool about our sport. It does seem to just keep building on that excitement. Um, you know, some years you think, crikey, how are we, we going to match that for how the riders delivered on, on the show? You mm-hmm. know, and there's sort of two sides of it, isn't it? There's the sport and people wanting to perform and then there's the show. And, and there's certainly a good show being put on by all the fields from junior um, and, you know, through the elite ranks. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, in fact, this was words out of Brooks' mouth earlier on today, but he was like, oh, I reckon there should be 15 rounds, he said, like this. And I, I thought, crikey, I don't think I could handle it as, as staff, let alone a rider. But um, uh, but equally, he was like, yeah, because then, you know, it, you know, it wouldn't matter if anything goes wrong, you can come back and there's plenty of rounds. He was relating to the motocross and saying you know they do it so why can't we so um yeah although that is an ongoing conversation yeah we'll see where we end up all right before we wrap up we need to do some lit kit awards ollie we caught you by surprise with this last week but you know it's coming now (laughs) i still haven't prepared for it (laughs) (laughs) where where are we handing the award go nico first this time give us a minute (laughs) nico have you got Um, something for us yeah one that has it's it's the same kit they wore last week but um i i the more that i i saw it the more i liked it was the union kits they had like the it's hard to make like brown a cool color but i thought <laughs> the mix was brown with the the gray tops was was really sweet and um i think they look more casual like some of them it's easy to look like a nascar team <laughs> but i thought their kits looked like really cool but also um like a cool thing that you would wear to go to the bike park every day. So I was stoked on the union kits. Yeah. Yeah. It would translate out of a race environment and you wouldn't look too weird going riding in it. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty nice for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You've got to think about that. Haven't you? It's not just, uh, not just for racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go on then. I, yeah. To be fair, the uh, continental new proof team, they're, they're, they're okay. you know, probably not like standing on their own, maybe not, but I think as a team, that kit actually looks really, really good. It's got a good balance of colour yeah. with professionalism. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go those guys this All week. Right. Nice. I've, I've struggled this week. I love the Syndicate Fox kits, I think, although they're similar to last week, but different. Um, and Jackson had his, I think they each get a custom shoe at one of the rounds. Mm. And Jackson had his this week, white with like a little gold thing in the sole. Like it was pretty, it's pretty cool with his name on the back. Um, I think they've done a good job. I did like Bruni's apparel spritz kit, but it's just a shame <laughs> you don't get to see it in the race runs because he's got his champs stripes on. Um, but for me, uh, a rider that we didn't see in the live feed is going to take the award this week. That's Stacey Fisher, who had a outrageously patterned, um, loose riders kit. I'm just mm-hmm. showing Ollie a photo, yeah, which a- actually looked really cool with the GB sleeve because she's a GB national champ as well. Um, so yeah, Stacey Fisher, loose riders, shout out. That was a that was a pretty impressive kit. So which takes precedent, the leaders jersey or the world champs jersey? Are we going to see? What do we see Bruni wearing next? <laughs> good, good question. Anyone know the rule? Uh, I wish I did. Yeah, no, not too sure. It must be. I mean, but the because the leader's jersey is like um almost like a jacket, isn't it? A gilet. A gilet, sorry, yeah. yeah. So I wonder whether you just have to decorate your arm nicely with the uh, yeah, the know. world championship. We'll find out in uh, two weeks' time. It's a he's good been, problem to have. For it's a good problem. I was going to say, yeah, he's being greedy. I think at this point, yeah, yeah, maybe he can lend the stripes to someone else for the week. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what to wear when they go out riding but Bruni's got a real problem he has got a big problem <laughs> yes. well hopefully he can work out what the rule is he's got two weeks to sort it out and then we're off to Val de Sol um, 
Nico, are you uh, disappointed to be missing three race runs at Val de Sol in a week's time? It's going to be a, <laughs> quite an ask, right? That's a hell of a track to do three big runs on. Honestly, I, I like that track. Um, like a lot of riders were saying how brutal it was last year, and it was. But I think it's a proper test of um, of bike and rider. And I'm sure they've heard enough of it from last year that they're going to change the track enough to make it um, something that riders can do three runs consistently on. But I always felt like it was like somewhat of an equalizer when it gets that hard. And, and I personally liked racing there. I would, I would look forward to it. It's one of my fa- favorite tracks. Like the more technical, the better. I, I always struggled personally with tracks like Leo Gang that were so straightforward to separate myself from the other guys. There's so many fast riders. It, it, like not just in the in the final or the semi or the quali, but like over the whole weekend, there's so many fast riders. Anybody that's a World Cup, um, it's tough to like separate yourself when the track is straightforward. And Val de Sol is definitely not straightforward, <laughs> which which I loved. Um, but it's going to be hard. Like that's so tiring. Um, I remember like in the last bit of the wood section, like you go inside and, and kind of jump over the route as you exit it was the line this past two years and um i remember coming in on finals like i hope my hands don't fall off when i (laughs) jump this thing and i'm not going around it so it's going to be tough to like be in that position get to the bottom and then go back up 30 minutes later to do it again um so we'll see I, i i'm interested to see what they do with the track and how riders deal with it but i'll say i wish i was there (laughs) <laughs> good stuff man well hopefully it won't be too long till we see you at the races but yeah thanks chaps that was uh, a lot of fun really enjoyed it a little bit easier when we don't end up doing it in eight segments due to <laughs> technical issues um but yeah looking forward to catching up with both of you after val in a couple of weeks time you did Cheers, a great guys. job cutting that last episode together we listened to it on the way home from uh we were at the the downhill southeast at snowshoe and i had so much trouble with the wi-fi anybody who's been to snowshoe can understand it's so remote and uh i think we had to start the recording like you said eight times and you <laughs> yeah. cut it together awesome so i think it just made hard work for you was the main thing nice one cheers guys thanks guys thank you all right that's it for this maxis tires post-race show with nico and ollie I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Maxxis for supporting this season. Maxxis have got incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride. So head over to Maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out there. Here's a few other quick links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you never miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you want copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. If you want to support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. But until next time, get out and ride.